This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. It is episode 163 of Small Talk, our final one of 2022. And this is a big one, folks. The <laughs> last time we talked to our boy, Steve Cerruti, he was days away from becoming a dad. And here he is. His daughter has arrived. Congratulations, Steve. Papa Bear Saruti is here with us. So Steve, oh, Michelle Small and Steve Saruti, Small What's Talk. Up? Thanks for listening. I'm so hyped, Steve. The floor is yours. Please announce the birth of your child. Well, first and foremost, thank you. It's great to see you as always. And I think we taped that last pod less than a week before I had my daughter. So yeah. it mm-hmm. came out and I think I was already a dad. So the preview was like, <laughs> what's like Saruti pending dad life? And I was already a dad, which is pretty dumb. Um, but great. So yes, she came. She was born on October 27th. She was born at like 11 in the morning or so. Her name is Marlo, Marlo Maya Saruti. Um, I hope everybody likes the name. I like it. We really like it. It's so kind of different. I, I, we didn't really tell anybody. I didn't even put any feelers out there. I think on the last pod, I mentioned to you like a double letter thing, you like an MJ or whatever. I threw the M out there and I was like, eh, you know, but you didn't pick up on it. I mean, who knows? Maddie may have told you what the name was. I don't even really know. But Marlo Maya, uh, I think it flows off the tongue pretty well. And it's one of those things where we both really like, we had a couple, first off, there are way more girls' names. We've talked about this than, than guys' names. We totally. had like a hundred girls' names that we probably could have choose. We narrowed it down to two. It was Marlo and Nora. Still love Nora. So that's a backup in case we have another girl. But Marlo kept coming back to it. You know, I just there's something about it. It's a really cool name. It's classic, but also kind of new. And it's also not it's also unique enough, but not like a we get it. You know, you're trying to be different. Like we get it guy. Stop trying to be a loser. Stop trying to be so unique. Like, you know, so I I think there's like a a good middle ground there. Um, And yeah, we're like seven, about seven weeks in now, I think, with her and She's super cool, man. I, I, I it is, uh, it's sometimes it's funny to look down. And you're just like, wow, we just created this thing. Like this, this little girl who is completely dependent on us at all times, um, who goes from one minute being incredibly cute to the next minute screaming at the top of her lungs for no reason. But, uh, <laughs> it's been a good ride so far. And it's, I mean, you know, I've been lucky enough to be off Maddie's off as well. So we've had like a lot of time to figure some stuff out and spend a lot of time with her and, you know, kind of get into there's not really a, a routine or a rhythm, but somewhat of a routine or rhythm, or at least know like kind of what your day is going to be like. So uh, she's really cool. Really pumped. Um, and uh, yeah, when, when is Aunt Michelle coming to meet her? Uh, well, Aunt Michelle was supposed to meet her weeks ago, but then when I was in Bristol, I had, I got called to stay an extra day. And then you being the superstar that you are over at the ringer with your soccer pod, shout out to also uh, professional Steve, who's blowing up in a big way. You had to watch the soccer game, so I couldn't come over. But which I, one? USA one? The USA England? Yes, the USA yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah which we, is a big yeah. deal, which I, I respect. But I will be oh, there. I'm, ho- I'm hoping in January. I'm going to come. I'm going to meet her. I'm one of those guys who... I don't know how you are, but if, if it's like a big game and my team is playing in it, I'm just not really the like, let's watch it as a group guy. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to sit. And I had actually had two friends over because one of my buddies from Chicago was in out of town. I was like, all right, I'll invite my other friend over. And they're big U.S. soccer fans. So it was fine. But I don't love casuals watching big games with casuals. And oh, I'm a casual. Wow. I mean, you, wow. I don't like watching with Maddie, to be honest with you. You know, <laughs> I did this to my own sister. So it's not even like I'm the bad. I'm the asshole here. It's fine. But <laughs> what a diss. I'm a casual. But I want to I want to watch the game. I, I don't want to talk. I don't want to have to explain why who this person is or why this is the way it is. 
So yes, I bunkered down in the basement and watched the game with my two buddies who are also big soccer fans. But which were, I you, didn't, you, you didn't want to be there anyway. It wouldn't have been super fun for you to, to begin with, like four well, years in the basement watching soccer. I would have been fawning over the baby the whole time anyway. That's true. So it yeah. wouldn't have been a, a big deal. Okay. Steve, you know, I have a million questions. Uh, before we get into the questions, though, I just want everyone to know obviously, I was so hyped for Steve and Maddie to have a baby and have been very involved with both of them this entire time. I'm on the family photo stream. It's yep. Yep. the Marlo, the Marlo. Uh, yeah. What is it? The, the picture share the picture share folder. Yeah. It's Steve. It's his wife. It's their families. And it's me. <laughs> I'm just like creepily lurking. Like, are you impressed that I actually add pictures to it? I, I, yeah. I actually do. I was like pretty surprised at myself for adding pictures to it. Cause I don't really post a ton on social. Well, I should say, I don't really post like on Instagram. I, you know, I don't, I don't really do anything on TikTok. I don't post it. I don't even, I, I have a Facebook. I haven't been on it in how knows God knows how long. Um, so I'm not a big poster and I'm not yeah. a picture guy, but like I, I've posted some photos in there. She's cute. You know, you look She's at it, you, so cute. you're just sitting there and you go, oh, this is kind of funny. So yeah, I'll, I'll I, mix it up. I'll get the little notification. And it's like Steve Cerruti has added two photos to the Marlowe family album. I'm like, wow, Steve. And they're, they're they? always good shots too. I'm very proud of Father, Fatherhood has changed me. I'm already, <laughs> I'm already a different man. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's. Let's go back to the beginning, Steve, because the last time we all checked in with you, I asked you what type of cheerleader you were going to be in the delivery room. Mm. Are you are you going to be supportive? Are you going to be quiet? Yep. Are you going to bring snacks? And and you had shared with us that you weren't going to talk a lot. You were going to be there no. for emotional support, hand holding, whatever Maddie needed. So take us to the delivery room and tell us how it all played out. All right. So this is actually my favorite part of the entire thing, which is surprising uh, because my expectations for what a birth situation is in a hospital is just there's screaming and chaos and there's blood and there's like 100 people in there and no one has any idea what's going on. And then the baby comes out, and she's screaming or whatever. So that is my thought. That is what my vision is of what this is going to be like. So I had kind of prepared myself for it to be chaotic. And what happened was Maddie's water broke at, I think, midnight the on Thursday. So Thursday at midnight, essentially. Um, and then we were probably in the hospital two hours later. We get there, they do all the tests. They're like, all right, yep, you're definitely about to give birth. We're not going to send you home. This is how dilated you are. But like, you're not dilated enough. They put her on Pitocin, I believe, which mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. gets your gets. I don't even know what it is or what it basically just it like gets, gets your shit moving. going, speeds up the labor process. So she, she gets that and we get into this big delivery room and it's just kind of the two of us and it's overnight. And we're trying to get a little bit of sleep, but we weren't really sleeping. I think we watched an episode of Celebrity Jeopardy. Like things were pretty chill. It was good. Um, and then I think we dozed off for a little bit. And, you know, I think she ended up getting the epidural as well, which is a, a I mean, listen, I'm not going to tell people what to do, but it definitely seemed like that's the way to go. <laughs> I'll, I'll say I would do an epidural if I was giving birth as well, because um, it was like right up to the point where you're definitely uncomfortable. The pain is probably going to be unbearable pretty soon. You get the epidural and it's like, oh, everything's great. So then I think we went back to sleep for a little bit more. And then all of a sudden it was around, I don't know, nine or 10 in the morning and the nurse comes in and she checks and she's like, all right, you're 10 centimeters dilated. It's go time. And I like just woke up. I think Maddie had been up and it's just me, the nurse and Maddie in the room. And she's like, all right, here we go. Like hold her leg up. So I start holding, I held Maddie's leg up and keep in mind, I was unsure whether or not I was going to be looking or participating or how, what my participation level was going to be. And the nurse was just like, all right, yeah, grab a leg. This is happening. And I was like, grab okay, I guess, I, I guess we're doing it. And uh, and then it just started. She started pushing and it just kind of happened and all but like 10, 15 minutes go by. And like, all of a sudden, you know, you see the head and all this stuff is happening. And so I like kind of accidentally was a full participant in the birth process. 
And it was really for, I would say 50% of the time, maybe more just me, Maddie, and this one nurse, it was very calm, very quiet. Maddie wasn't a lot of pain, like there's pressure, but not a lot of pain. Um, and then the doctor came in late. She was great and, you know, delivered the baby. And so there was no more than four people, five of you include Marlo at any point during the entire process. No one was screaming. It wasn't loud. It wasn't bright. It only took like 40 minutes. I know this isn't the normal birth experience. It isn't usually the birth experience. So for me, it was just, I was, it was so incredibly shocking at how calm and nice and how awesome this experience was to have with her being my wife, Maddie, I guess Marlo as well, but um, it was kind of quick, painless. I don't want to say painless. That's not the word I wanted to use. Um, not as dire and insane and chaotic as I thought it would be. And yeah, she came out and there she was. And all of a sudden they just plopped the baby on Maddie's chest. And was like, here's your daughter. And I think I shed a couple tears at that point. I definitely cried a little that bit. That was my next question. Yeah, I definitely cried. Um, and it, what was weird too, is she came out, didn't say a peep. She wasn't crying. She didn't cry for like hours. It was wow. very strange. And we were like, is this okay? And they're like, yeah, it's totally normal. Like, it's not, not that it's normal, but it's not, nothing to be alarmed about. She just didn't cry for like a long time. And so we're like, wow, she's super chill. She must be like her dad, uh, not emotional. And she, she comes out and she's like, this is what I'm coming into. Yeah, she's like yeah. judging everything immediately. Yeah, she, she actually has very judgy eyes, which is fantastic. But she, she does have Maddie's eyes. But uh, anyway, long story short, all in all, it was the, the whole process was so shockingly uh, calm and amazing and a little bit peaceful and you know still emotional and i got to kind of see everything which i wasn't sure it completely blew my mind that's that's, that's all i could say about it so they always say that when your child comes into the world and you first hold your baby or you first set eyes on your baby that this feeling comes over you that you've never experienced before did you have that i don't think so you know i, don't, I didn't think like oh my goodness you know my life has changed forever now like that's when people ask you know after you get married like oh do you, how different do you feel it's like yeah not that different <laughs> um, in the heat of the moment, I'm just looking at her going, oh my God, like this is my kid. I'm not thinking like I'm no longer going to be able to sleep anymore. And like, I'm going to be going to soccer practice in five years and all this different stuff. I'm not really thinking about that. It was just, we were just kind of like looking at her being like, well, one, it was like, who does she look like? Although when they come out, they're like kind of blobby. So it's really hard to tell who they actually, I still don't even know who she looks like. Some people say me, some people say Maddie. I don't even know. I can't tell. I can't. I look at, I told them, I texted Maddie that yesterday. I'm like, I zoom in on her face and I'm like, I can't tell who she looks like. She's kind of her own. She's got her own vibe to her. She actually does look like Maddie kind of as a baby, but Maddie doesn't look oh, like what she looks like now as a baby. So it's very hard to sort of decipher that. But no, I didn't have this big, you know, like I said, I, I shed a couple of tears because it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a really cool moment. And again, it was so non-insane that I was just like, wow, this is way different than I thought it was going to be in a, in a great way. So no, I didn't have this big, you know, prophecy moment of, oh, like this is the rest of my life. And I'm seeing like the next 18 years and her going to college and all this stuff. No, no, no. It was just kind of like, a, wow, this is, this is happening. Like, what do we do now? What happens next? I'm very much a, like what happens next guy, not a, like yeah. what happens 10, 20 years or 10, five, you know, years from now. So that's kind of where my head was at. Okay. Question number two for Steve. I was in New Jersey for Thanksgiving and my family listens to the pod and shout out to my aunt Shelly. She wanted me to ask you this question. Yeah. Uh, what's up, aunt Shelly? Shout out to aunt Shelly. She's the best. Now you very famously years ago on this po very podcast, Steve said that newborns were ugly, that they mm -hmm. look like aliens, that they were not cute. Yep. Has that stance changed no. now that you have a new <laughs> No, it hasn't. I will say again, everyone's biased. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm not biased. I do think she is a cute kid. Uh, the good thing about her is she has a full head of hair. Okay. She does. Yeah. When, when a baby has a full head of hair, they look less gross and blobby. If you're a girl, this, uh, you know, and this isn't disrespectful. 
because there have been plenty of I'm sure there have been plenty of girls who've grown up to be, you know, incredibly beautiful that were born bald and bald for like a year plus of their first you know, of totally. their life. Right. It happens. Like a it is what it is, you know, um, but she has a lot of hair. So I think she looks more human like because of that. Like She has like my hair like now. It's insane. I mean, I have like a buzz cut now, but she has a ton of hair and she has obviously the bald spot in the back now, which is really funny. But I mean, she looked like a she was like a purple blob when she came out. I mean, she didn't, you know, I don't want to say she wasn't cute. She was cute in her own way, but she's way cuter now. And now she looks like a baby. When she's an infant, I think she, and again, she's on the cuter scale of things, uh, but she isn't as cute as she is now. And she won't probably be as cute like as she is, you know, six, seven months from now when she's more of a person. So no, I don't think I've I've changed my mind on that. Sorry, sorry, Aunt Shelley. <laughs> Okay, good. Uh, next question. What has been the most surprising thing about handling a baby or this basically no, caring, caring for a baby? This is an I'm so happy you asked this. Uh, and, you know, some people are probably gonna laugh because they're like, yeah, duh. I can't believe how much babies fart. They fart all the time. They, they? constantly fart. They are really? constantly ripping ass. And it is just unbelievable. It's unreal. I didn't. Nobody told me this. I mean, unless like our, unless Marlo is just letting it fly. I have no idea. Maybe she's a, 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 a like an anomaly, but she just farts all the time, constantly. We'll just like be sitting. Noise? Just like you hear ass. it? Oh my god! <laughs> noise. Well, it's farts or it's the question is like, is it a fart or is it a, is it poop? Early on, it was always poop. Now it's kind of fifty fifty. You know, it could be sometimes she'll. It'll just be this incredibly loud fart. And you're like, all right, she had to have poop. You open the diaper and there's nothing in there. And you're like, what is <laughs> that? Was That's insane. Like, I've never even made that noise. What is happening right now? <laughs> so without a doubt, it is farts. They, I cannot oh. believe how loud she is sometimes. That's a really surprising answer. I thought you were yeah. going to say something about having to change diapers all the time or the, uh, the no, amount that's, of times that's that babies vomit. No, that's not that hard. I did get vomited, puked, and peed on the same day. So Ooh, that was like, my, wel that was like nice. my welcome to fatherhood moment. And uh yeah, she did. It wasn't horrible, but it wasn't great. The puke, she puked all over me one day, all over. I mean, I was holding her. I had just fed her. It was the morning. I think, no, it was the morning or night. I forget. Either, either early morning or, or late at night before she was going to bed. I had just fed her. We were laying in bed and I have her like burp cloth there and I'm burping her. And then I usually, what I do is I, I pull my knees up and I, and I rest her like in my knees, right? So she's just laying on my legs and she just projectile vomited all over herself, all over me, all over our blanket everywhere and it was bad it smells bad it's really not oh. a pleasant smell uh so that was rough the poop one was small it was kind of just like a fart poop and it just kind of sprayed me a little bit oh. and i think i remember screaming i think to maddie like it's in my eye because i thought it did get in my eye because it kind of got on my face um and then the pee one sometimes she'll just I'll, sometimes i'll take her diaper off and she'll just pee everywhere and i'm like you couldn't just pee like two seconds ago and the diaper was on like what's going on so yes that some of that stuff does happen but i am a good diaper changer uh, really? I, 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 I am very thorough. Some people would say I take a little bit too long, but I'm very thorough. I like the diaper to be like well-fitted. I'm not just like one of those throw it on fast people to like, avoid the pee. But maybe that's why I got pee and pooped on all the time. Cause I'm too slow, but very good diaper guy. But yeah, it's without a doubt. I just cannot believe how loud her butt is sometimes. It's incredible. <laughs> um, I'm not surprised by the way that you're a thorough diaper guy as someone who's worked with you for a long time, you're all about the prep. Like you love to be prepared. You you're never going to do something half-assed Steve. So that does not surprise me at all that you apply that to your diaper changing. I just look at it and I go, imagine you wearing this. I'd want it to be the most comfortable version of what it can be. Like some parents just throw it on, they fold things over and they do it really tight. I am very intricate with where it gets, where the straps get placed on her, how high up it is on her belly. You have to put the flaps out so that like we don't, I mean, you still get spillage, but just so you, hopefully you try to avoid spillage. I am very, very uh, particular about all of those things. So nice. that you're, you're welcome, Marla. 
<laughs> okay. Not that Maddie isn't, by the way. Yeah, yeah, but just you specifically. Okay, um, two more questions, and then we have a lot to get to since this is our last pot of the year. Um, I know that when newborns come out, they're just kind of blobs for a while, but you, you she's what, seven weeks old, you said? Seven weeks, yep. Give me one adjective to describe her personality to this point. See, it's tough because she, she doesn't really... And this is, again, so Maddie and I were talking about this last night. She was like, obviously, I can't wait until she's a person or whatever. And she has, you know, we see more of her personality and she smiles and meaningfully smiles, not like kind of smiles by accident, which is what happens a lot right now. But she's like, I'm kind of going to miss her being this small. And I, I agree with that. But I I really can't wait until she has more personality because she doesn't really have a ton right now. Like, it's hard to say. Because whenever she she'll smile at you, sometimes she'll poop and smile at you. So you're not really <laughs> sure if that's on you or if she's just happy because she's she's been relieved. I, I don't know. I don't even know if she knows she's actually smiling. So I don't know that she has like a personality right now. The one thing okay. I will say is she uh, definitely knows when we're not around. Like if we leave for like 30 seconds, for example, like right before we had to tape this pod, um, Ma- my wife Maddie just worked out. She was she took a shower. I was watching her, and we're right before Ma- uh, Maddie came downstairs. I went to go make a coffee. She was by herself for like thirty seconds. She senses that she's alone and will just scream at the top of her lungs. Wow! And then we come back, and she knows we're there. So that's actually really cool that she at least kind of like I don't know if she knows it's dad or mom or whatever, but it is cool that she knows that we're around. I will say, I don't soothe her the way that Maddie soothes her. I don't know if this is one of your other follow up questions, but I mean. I'm pretty useless right now. I don't do a ton. I mean, the good thing is Maddie's pumping so I could bottle feed and help in that way. But if she's crying or there's a problem, there's just nothing like laying on mom's chest. Like there just isn't like she doesn't lay on my chest and get soothed. She lays on Maddie's chest and gets soothed. So right now, like we have a, you know, pretty hit and miss relationship when it comes to soothing. (laughs) But, uh, but no, she's mostly happy. She's mostly good. She just like, she doesn't like to be left alone at all for any sense of time, even though we do have two dogs and my dog Mumford will come up and lick her occasionally. And she does like that. That's good. Of course, she's an animal lover, just like her parents. Yeah. Well, yes, my last question was this, Steve. What have you learned about your wife during yeah. this process of you guys having your first baby together? Um, well, I've always known that Maddie is the, she's like the planner, the organizer. She's, I mean, I don't, people always say like, oh, you know, the rock. I think that's okay. We get it. Like stop being, a, <laughs> stop being a suck up. But she actually, I mean, Maddie, she does all the important shit. You know, she has the calendar. She does, she logs whenever she, how much she eats, how much she pees and poops. Like she's just, she does all this stuff. And on, on, on top of that, you know, she's she's pumping breast milk. She's, you know, waking up in the middle of the night because she has to pump. We usually split the uh, what's what's been awesome about the last couple of weeks is when you first have a baby, they're up every two hours, right, basically to feed and change. Right. And now, like she slept for almost six hours last night, nice. um, which is great. So from about midnight to like almost 6 a.m., she slept. Uh, so what, what usually happens is Maddie will take that first one and then she's usually up again, like around eight or so we go to bed pretty late so that's why like don't knock me this is why our, our thing is all screwed up but maddie usually takes the first shift and i'll take the second shift but the first shift is usually kind of in the middle of the night or really early in the morning so i don't know she does she does all the hard work she knows that so i think i, I don't know if i've learned anything new about her it's just like a more of an appreciation of what the hell i would do without her kind of thing like i would be i think there's a lot of dudes that would probably say this like i'd be completely lost without her because she just organizes all the shit and does the stuff that you don't even think about so um it's like the old kevin durant thing like she's real mvp <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, so happy for you guys. Can't wait to meet Marlo in person and keep Steve pumping out those photos on the family album because I love to watch her grow. It's so crazy to see 
you know, I've never been on my friends' family albums, but I've certainly seen my my friends' babies grow. But it's been really interesting for me as just a, a third party observer through photos to watch her from like this little nugget who came from yeah. home from the hospital to like seven weeks now with her little smiles and her side eyes and just how much bigger she's gotten. It's been really fun to watch. I will say I do really like dressing her. I'm really I, I, I take pride in like putting together like a sick outfit for her. Yeah, she's, she's got, got good, good fits. fits. She she's does. got good fits. I texted really Maddie the other day. I was like, uh, this girl's got style. I'm not gonna She's lie. got really cool sweatsuits, like sweatshirts, onesies. Uh, and uh, like I, I'm a good mix and match color guy. I love a good headband because they're a <laughs> or bow because the problem is like, okay, she has I talked about the hair, she's got a lot of hair. She looks like she looks like a boy if she if you don't put a headband on her because she looks she has like a dude's haircut. She has like a guy sometimes she has like the comb over, like the middle-aged, like you know, like the Alabama guy. No, not the swoop because it's too thin. Like, okay, like the balding forty-year-old accountant who like is still trying to hold on because it's not full on the top yeah, of her head, but it's yeah. a it, it's long and there's a lot of it. So when we bought her a brush and Maddie like combed it to the side. I'm like, you're making her look like this, you know, middle-aged accountant. Like, can we make her look a little more cute? So I always put bows on her head, which is great. Uh, so I am like the fit king here. Like, I I always uh, get her ready for for the day most of the time. Oh my god, we need like outfit of the days on your Instagram. Fit, fit like, of the day. <laughs> fit of the day. Like Marlo's fit of the day. Actually, Steve, that could be a very lucrative TikTok career for you. Marlo's fit of the day. Yeah, I mean, she's got some good stuff. I mean, we have luckily, you know, I had a couple rules of like, I just didn't want anything that was, I think, I, did we talk about this? I didn't want anything like with words on it, like yes. babies first this or whatever. So luckily, most people have been good with that. She's got some cool patterns. We got a lot of cool colors. Um, you know, she typically pukes on it. So like, you got to change a couple of <laughs> times during the day. We've been doing a lot of laundry, but... But uh, now her fit game is on point for sure. I love it. Well, uh, it is the end of the year. So we need to do some A plus content. Uh, I mean, we're going to go yeah. over all of our different media categories, A plus content, and we're going to do our favorite personal moment from 2022. So Steve, let's uh, let's get into some A plus content. Let me pull up your text here because you so what? graciously outlined it all for us. Yeah. You want me to walk us through? Because I was just thinking yes. like we do A plus content all the time. Why don't we do a year end A plus content of just like 2022's A plus content for us? So I was thinking we do song album movie show book that probably be more in your range um and you <laughs> threw in personal moment and then you know just like stuff that we i don't know stuff that if you haven't caught by this time you should go back and watch or listen or read yes and we're gonna do sports moment too oh i gotta figure that out okay i'm sure you can come up with something but I know, it is try, we got time don't worry okay so where do you want to start steve let's put them all on the board we have book we have movie tv show song album personal moment sports moment well, let's just do music first because okay. I had talked to you. I talked to you before. I was like, let's do our Spotify raps because I think Ugh. people would like that. It's funny. It's kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Although there is a, they're, they're kind of flawed. We were talking about this. They're kind of flawed because like your top artists are always going to be whoever you have playlists of, right? It doesn't mean that's my favorite artist, but I have a lot of Taylor Swift songs. So she's going to naturally be in my top, whatever. So mm -hmm. let's do music first. So why don't we do, why don't we do our song and album, our favorite song of the year, our favorite album of the year, and then let's go through our Spotify raps. Okay. Uh, let's start with song, my favorite song of the year. And it actually is number one on my Spotify wrapped. So I was very pumped for that is let me pull it up. It is wait for you by Drake and Future. wow. Okay. It's my Love favorite it. song of the entire year. I listened to that song all the time. It's got an edge. The melody is amazing. The lyrics are on point. I can listen to it when I'm walking to the train. You can listen to it when you're working out. It's just not that to sound like super chuggy, Steve, but it's just an entire vibe. So wait for you, future Drake. Shout out to them. It's a it's a good song. Um, I will say 
I think Life is Good by Future and Drake was in my top five songs for like four years straight. <laughs> so that was I'm my number one last year. That was I'm, my number one I'm, I'm totally with you on, on, on like that vibe because that, that song, I mean, I'm surprised it wasn't in there this year. Oh, That's when one the of those beat ones, changes, Steve, and you're working out, the, the beat it's, changes. And you know what? I didn't realize now, like Drake is not cool anymore. This is how, uh, this is how pass, we know that we're not cool. Like, I don't even care. Drake no, I don't is either. Awesome. I don't either. I totally agree. Taylor Swift, Drake, all the stuff that people call, as you mentioned, Chuki. like, I don't care. This is my shit. So totally understand. Not my favorite of their songs, but I totally understand why it would be yours. Um, all right. So wait, do you want me? I guess I'll give mine and then we'll go yeah. through. You want to give our top five songs then too after that? Oh, uh, yeah, from, sure. our, from our Spotify list. All right. Go so ahead. mine, my favorite song, I should just do song and album because they're the same artist. Uh, I was, have you ever heard of Mount Joy? Yeah. I became obsessed with Mount Joy in 2022, like to the point where I think they are my favorite alt band right now. Wow. Period. I think they are that good. And I had heard, you know, I've heard songs in the past because they've been around for like five, six or whatever years. But their album, Blood Orange, I think my single favorite rock album since the Arctic Monkeys AM. And that was like 2013. That's how good Orange Blood is. It is. It's all blues, stoner, kind of Cali rock, even though they're a band from Philadelphia. Front to back, there are no skips on this album. Absolutely wow, no, skips. no skips. None. It is the first album probably since uh, either a Maren Morris or a Casey Musgraves album that is like a no skips for me. It is fantastic. Oh, I fell in love with it on my vacation when we went to, to where we go, Hilton Head over the summer. And that brings me to my favorite song on that album. Lemon Tree is my favorite song of 2022. It's this bluesy guitar rock, but also like kind of hypnotic sort of weird vibe. 10 out of 10, A-plus content, one of my favorite songs of the last probably five or so years, Lemon uh, Lemon Tree. Damn, I got to listen to it. If you're... Yeah, Mount, I, I cannot recommend to you Mount Joy more. Uh, they they are, I think they are the the best alt band going right now. Speaking of Orange, this did not make my Spotify wrapped, but Something in the Orange, Zach Bryan, also one of my favorite songs of the year. So good. I don't know if that I know that. Should I, should I know that? I'll send it to you. I'll send All right, it, send it to me. So good. It's so Wait, good. do you think I'll know it or do you know? Or is uh, it like... I bet you've heard it. I bet you've okay. heard it, but it's All a right. good song. So should we do our top five top songs? Five. Top five <laughs> songs and then top five artists. This is what I. This is what we need to do. This is going to be embarrassing as so. well. Mine is, I'm already turning red. It's so humiliating. This is eh, like, Whatever, who cares? People like us on the spot, I think. I hope you guys like us and that you're not judging me for this because you have to understand. I think your Spotify wrapped is, it's misleading because I'm listening to music mostly when I'm working out or like when I'm driving, you know what I mean? I don't think it it's truly indicative of who we are as musical consumers. I'll just put that out there. I have far greater interest and the spectrum is wider than what my Spotify raps will mm -hmm. allow, allow you to believe. Okay. So we went over number one, wait for you, future and Drake. Uh, number two is intimidated by Kate Trinata featuring her. Uh, I don't know. So I maybe good. if I know it, if I heard it, but I don't know. So good. I know her. I know. I obviously know of her. No Intimidated. Fun. Also one of my favorite songs of the year. Number three, Earthquake, Tyler, the creator. Yeah. I kind of, I think I, I would have picked that if I had to be like, what's one song? I just feel like you'd be a big Tyler, the creator fan. <laughs> anyway. Love Tyler, the creator. Hello. <laughs> Odd future with Frank Ocean. Duh. Um, number four, a wild girl, the Paul Wolford remix. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> There's, there, there's just like a general vibe to this. I that we I know where we're going. Okay. I'm so embarrassed to reveal the last one. It's under the influence, Chris Brown. Oh my goodness. Oh my god. <laughs> no, that's not embarrassing. That song. 
has like crack cocaine in it because you can't stop listening to it and you're you're just like body rolling and it's a whole physical thing that happens to you when you listen to that song but I was That's- just like wow, I listened to Under the Influence that much in 2022. Because it's so funny because you and I have, we have similar music tastes, but also very different. Like you listen to more R&B. I uh, love some and, R&B. And probably even hip hop and rap than I do. I, I oh, do yeah. listen to a lot, but I'm more of like the all indie. I've even gotten into like some weird country vibes recently. I don't, very strange. I don't know. Shout out to Sergio Simpson. We'll get to him in a second. Nice. Uh, but that that list is very you. It's very yeah, I know. you. I know. And it's as much as you, brown. as much as you say that you're like embarrassed by it, like I don't know, I I picture you like walking out of the streets in New York, just trying to wanting to feel good and like putting good stuff on. Plus, as you said, it's it's a workout thing as well. I don't mm. think that's that embarrassing. I think you're fine. Thank you, Steve. Um, these I don't know that you're gonna know most of these. Well, one of them you will know. My number one song is actually "T Love" by Quarters of Change, which is a great song. It was sent to me by my sister, Jocelyn. It's apparently like a big TikTok song. I don't know. It's awesome. I love it. It's kind of like new-ish indie band. That's my number one song. My number two song, <laughs> Music for a Sushi Restaurant, Harry Styles. Very good. I, Very good song. I am, I am a middle-aged mom, uh, so sorry. Number three was Lemon Tree, Mount Joy. Listen to it a billion times. Number four is Life Was Easier When I Only Cared About Me by The Bad Sons. Have you ever heard of The Bad Sons? No, but send it to me. Great. Cali, kind of like upbeat rock band fantastic the song is great and then my lap do you know the band camino yes yes uh see-through which isn't even a new song but that song is awesome that song i think is i'm surprised that song wasn't one because i listen to that song all the time it's kind of like my go-to when when i'm driving and especially if there are other people in the car and i have to put music on i'm just like oh let's put the song on because it's like kind of fun everybody like it that's kind of my go-to song and then that starts the playlist of whatever it is so that's my top five so i feel like it's pretty good we've got like a you know we've got a couple pop songs we've got a couple indie rock songs but no hip-hop and rap i didn't really listen to a ton of hip-hop rap r&b this year i don't know i didn't really love that new drake album so eh, you know it was okay there was a couple uh, like one or two on there uh but no it was not the best okay top artists uh mount joy was one for me <laughs> no okay. surprise there no number surprise. two john mayer no surprise no surprise let me can i guess the rest third eye blind nope nope uh, is harry styles on there harry styles is three is harry taylor styles swift is three. on there taylor swift is four <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. Um, hold on. Is Mumford and Sons on there? No, no, oh, I actually, okay. no. Well, I said it before. It's Sturgill Simpson. Sturgill Simpson. Oh, Sturgill! Shout out to Sturgill. Yeah. Big Sturgill. Um, I went through a big Sturgill phase the last couple years, but specifically this year. Shout out to Will Can. Shout out to Will. Absolutely. Got me into Simpson. Yeah. Okay, minor again. Not surprising at all. Drake, Future, Frank Ocean, <laughs> Meg The Stallion, and Chris Stapleton. <laughs> Oh, Stapleton. Okay, great. Love yeah. Stapleton. I was That's surprised Stapleton wasn't in mine. That's a great list. That's a great list. There's nothing to be embarrassed. This actually was less embarrassing than I thought it was going to be. That's totally fine. I know. I'm surprised Frank wasn't number one, but that just tells you how many times I listened to Wait For You. That Future and Drake surpassed Frank Ocean. The problem for me in listening to Future and Drake is that whenever I listen to anything that they've come out with in the last like couple years, say Pre-Life is good because that's like my favorite, probably my last favorite song of theirs. I just want to listen to their old stuff. I want to, I want to listen to turn on the lights. I want to listen to, you know, take the whole take care album. You know, Ugh, I, whenever I put on album. their new stuff, I'm like, well, why don't I just listen to their other stuff? You know, and old, I don't want to be that guy, but like old future is so good. So good. Uh, and I even like remixed, remixed versions of future songs too. Now, probably more than even the originals, the mask off remix is fantastic. It's, it's a better song than the, than the original. Um, and then even, you know, I remember the other day, like I was trying to dive into some Drake. So not the other day, you know, last couple of weeks or so, but trying to dive into some of the new Drake. And I'm like, you know what? I just want to listen to Tuscan leather. I just want to listen to Tuscan leather. Sorry. Oh. I don't know. Zoom in. Tuscan leather. Good song. You know who else I want to give a shout out to, or have we done favorite albums? 
Yeah, you have not given your favorite album yet. Okay, so mine is a tie between Beyonce Renaissance and SZA SOS. I love me some SZA, Steve. Love me some SZA. And the album, the new album that just dropped, I think, last week, last Friday. So, so good. I have this rankings, this power rankings in my notes that my one friend and I send to one another. Every day it changes, which tells you that it's a good album. If the songs that you like change day to day, Ghost in the Machine featuring Phoebe Bridgers is such a good song. Of all the female rappers like that, because I don't really listen. I know people love SZA. I don't know. I wouldn't call her a rapper. All right, singer, rapper, whatever. Of that group of people, she's kind of like Doja Cat, right? I mean, they're a Jace, yes. Because Doja Cat of all that new, of all the, like, and again, this is me sounding old because I don't listen to a ton of their music, but I really do like Doja Cat. I think she's yeah. like the best of all that, that sort of like group of singer, rapper, females. I, I think she's great. I feel like I need to listen to more SZA though. I feel like people talk about her all the time and I just, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever really took a deep dive and that's what I like to do. I've never really took a deep dive into her catalog because I've listened to Meg Thee Stallion. Obviously yeah. I've listened to like Nicki Minaj. Um, Doja Cat I got into because of Dave because she was great in that show. Um, and I was like, wait, she's actually really good. Yeah, and then, but SZA is like the one where I'm like, I know the amount of people that I trust musically who are like, she's good. And I just haven't really listened. I will put together a playlist for you. I'm Please so do. excited to be your entry point into SZA. Fun fact, Steve, SZA born in St. Louis, Mo. Oh, here we go. Here we on go. On the cover <laughs> of SOS, she's sitting on a diving board in the ocean wearing a St. Louis Blues jersey. Go Blues. LGB, you know. LGB indeed. But um, no, she's amazing. I would say she's a, ooh, this is a hot take. This is a hot take. I would say she's the more soulful Taylor Swift. Like she's, she. you're going to put on an album and the lyrics hit you. The vocals hit you. She tells a story. She makes hmm. you feel things. Um, I prefer her to Taylor Swift, obviously, and I'm not but wait, even taking but wait, a dig you don't, at Taylor. But you don't like Taylor, though. Well, I mean, you liked you liked um, folklore, but your whole thing with her no, was I like liked Midnight's too. There's Midnight's too much too. drama. I think Midnight's okay. I don't know. Anyway, um, you your whole thing was like there's too much drama. It's like is that that's not that's not the same case with SZA. No, no, SZA is like Frank Ocean. It just hits you deeper. It's like at a cellular level. You know what I mean? I saw a lot of memes, Steve, when SOS dropped. That was like hang on like let me break up with my boyfriend real quick so that i'm sad and can listen to sizza her songs hit you in a more emotional way um Which, and i know a lot of taylor okay. swifties are out there being like no you're wrong taylor hits you at an emotional level and i can respect that but where i think sizza to me hits you in the cranium and just makes you feel Whereas Taylor, I think, does a magnificent job of telling a story. Story, like, yeah. Yeah, like you, you feel think, it with Taylor, but it's more like I'm paying attention to the entirety of the story. Again, I've never listened to, I don't I don't know enough about her, but my thing was I always thought Drake and Taylor Swift were similar. Very, very emo people, love to air the dirty laundry, pretty great lyrically, great lyrically in that their, their lyrics are always so relatable. You know, it's like the Instagram caption. So I always kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. I always kind of compare the two of them, very hook, very hook centric songs where it's like, oh yeah, like this is easily stuck in my head. I mean, come on, both of them are just hit banger, hit, hit makers, you know, uh, song after song. I always thought Drake was like the hip hoppy R&B, whatever you want to call it, version of Taylor Swift. Are we surprised? So, Steve, on uh, Character and Smallman, my old radio show, we used to do a segment called Take It or Leave It. Mm -hmm. So, Steve, Take It or Leave It. It's actually shocking that Drake and Taylor Swift never dated. It is, actually. I don't you know, know that. 
I don't know that Dr- that she's Drake's type. Is that can I say that? <laughs> I don't know. Or that, that he's her type. I or mean, vice she, versa. She, yeah, yeah I vice don't know. versa. But they do have a lot of commonalities and both have dated a lot on like the Hollywood scene. So I'm just kind of surprised. And maybe it did like low key. They like collided and underground dated, but I'm just a little surprised, I guess, that that was never more of a thing. It does. It, it would make sense because obviously, you know, she dated John Mayer and they both wrote songs about each other. Could you imagine mm-hmm. if Drake and Taylor Swift dated and like the, the albums, the multiple probably albums that would come out after that? Even if, even if it was like a one night stand, there'd be like years of albums that would somehow be made about the two of them. Can you imagine if they did it and they dropped on the same day? Oh, that would be. Oh, I mean, my God, the drama. I also wouldn't put it past them to like, do that on purpose you know like hey let's date the, you know let's do this on purpose and like capitalize on the marketing machine that is the two of 100%. us kind of like putting out like you know not breakup albums but you know sad albums about how we don't like each other i don't know you're right 100%. i think that is pretty surprising but okay so you've left on the board we have movie tv show book sports moment and personal moment let's do movie because i actually don't think there are that many good movies this year I agree. And I actually did my research because I couldn't come up with one. And then one popped out that I actually enjoyed. The best movie I saw this year, and again, controversial take from your girl, was Don't Worry Darling. I thought that movie was so good. I don't know why it took the heat that it did. I thought the acting was amazing. The cinematography was really good. I loved the visuals of that movie. I thought the themes and... Uh, just the undertone of conversation that was supposed to happen from the movie was really, really well done. And I know that a lot of the hate from it stemmed from all the drama that happened yeah. with the the cast outside of the actual movie. But I thought the movie itself was really good. I went into that movie fully wanting and anticipating to hate it because of everything you just said. I'm not a big Olivia Wilde fan. I Whatever, maybe people are going to be mad at me. I just think they're... Her dating Harry Styles is weird. Were they engaged, dating, I mean, whatever they were? They dated for a while. I don't think I didn't love engaged. it. I didn't love it. I didn't love it. As a Harry Styles guy, I didn't love it. I'm going to be honest as, with you. As a Sudeikis guy, too, I'm sure. As I, a, I am a big Jason Sudeikis guy. Yep. Totally. Pre-Ted Lasso, I love Jason Sudeikis. You didn't did. love it. Didn't love it. Now, there was some weird stuff that came out about him. Uh, we won't even talk about it. Involving salad dressing, whatever. Hey, listen. Uh, listen. When you're heartbroken, you're heartbroken, okay? No, I'm not, not going to judge, judge somebody. Nope. I totally agree. And I'll just say, I, I went into that movie going, I'm going to hate this movie. And I actually really liked it. I thought it was really nice. good. I thought it was really good. I totally agree with you. The themes were cool. The ending was kind of weird and cool. Uh, I'm not the biggest Florence Pugh fan, but she was really good in the movie as well. She slayed that performance. Was really, really good in the movie. And I, when I say I'm not the biggest fan, I don't know. So she was in Midsommar, which I thought was overrated, even though I really like that that genre of movie, like the weird psychological horror movie. Mm-hmm. And then she did, uh, what was it, Black Widow? And I was like, oh, this is, she's kind of going on that star trend. This was She was very good in this movie. So th- that may have changed my my thought on her a little bit, but I, I totally agree. It wasn't my favorite movie of the year, but it was definitely probably in my top 10. I really struggled with this. So I wrote down a couple that normally would be the Northman was great. It's basically like a Viking movie with Alexander Skarsgård. Not sure you'd be super into it, but it was really cool, like a good period piece. It was it was a fun kind of movie. Um, and I really, really, really I talked about this like the Batman with Robert Pattinson. I am now a big Robert Pattinson guy um, as a non Twilight guy. I am a big Robert Pattinson guy. I almost want to put that out there. I think those are too easy for me. You know what I went with? Have what? you seen Deepwater? No. Oh, you will love Deepwater. Love it. Who's it's in a, it? it is a trash movie. I'm just going to say it right now. It is a trash movie. Oh, um, you talked about this, right? Anna de Armas and Ben yes. Affleck. It you is a trash movie. But I went back and I'm looking through all these movies that I've seen. I'm like, yeah, I just watched Bullet Train. It was fun. It was good. But is that my favorite movie of the year? Maybe it's because I went into this movie with such low expectations and it was just kind of great. 
And if you go on IMDb, like it has like a 5.4, it has a terrible, and I'm typically a big IMDb snob. Like if it's not rated well, I don't like the movie or I won't watch it. This movie has like a 5.4, which is incredibly low. And I, I kind of loved it. It had this weird modern cruel intentions vibe uh, where the premise, I can't believe you haven't seen it because you would, I think you would love it. So basically the premise is Anna Armas and Ben Affleck are married. Anna Armas cheats on him all the time. He knows about it. He accepts it. He allows it because he just doesn't want to divorce her because he loves her. But it it, it fucks him up inside. And, like he's not okay. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the couple of guys that she's been hooking up with disappear, and he is at the center of the investigation. Mm-hmm. It's a trash movie, but I had a great. Maddie and I were talking about it earlier today. I'm like, we had a great time watching that movie. So I fully acknowledge this is not on brand for me. It's not. Um, but I I actually I think of all the movies I I, I enjoyed that the most this year, and it was like a stupid enjoyable two hour watch. I got to check that out. That's going to be 100%. a priority for me when I go home. Please do, because we need to talk about it, on, on, even though it's not, not necessarily a new movie. In a, in a year with not a lot of great movies, like I didn't, I, I haven't seen Top Gun. Everyone says that's great. I, I actually didn't like it either. I didn't like the original Top Gun hot take. Um, so, but I heard this one is different and better. Um, I don't know. I just think it was a weird, uh, it was a weird year for movies. So I guess I'll just, I'll take Deepwater. Okay. What do you want to do? Book, TV show, personal moment, or sports moment? I'll let you do book because listen, I don't read a ton. I read a lot of articles. I don't read a lot of books. I know you're more of a book person than I am. The last book I read was Dune. Go and read Dune. The the floor is open to you. Okay. I'll make this one quick. I loved the book Vanishing Half. It is about two twins that grow up in a very small town in the South and they run away from home. And it's without giving too much away, it's about because I feel like in the first couple chapters, you learn some things. So I don't want to like give it away because it's part of the surprise of it all. But it's about what happens to them and about trying to bring them back together. Sounds good. Sounds it's great. very good. You should tell and Maddie about it. You should tell Maddie about it if you have Getting turned into a movie or a TV show by HBO, I believe. Actually, well, while you're talking, I will do a quick Google on that. Well, speaking too, so. of, uh, did you read the, what's the, uh, where the crawdads I did. Whatever. I read. I read the book. Did not see the movie. So Maddie said the movie sucked. Uh, it did, was it was a disservice to the book. I haven't Ugh. read the book. I'm not going to see the movie, but I will. I can relate because one of my favorite books ever is uh, Inferno by Dan Brown, and they completely butchered that movie with Tom Hanks, and it kind of really fucked me up for a little while. The book <laughs> is be always better. I don't know that that's always true. It's that well, it's definitely the, it's definitely the saying, but I don't know that, that, that that's always true. But actually, I, will, I take that back because the notebook movie was better than the notebook book. I will take your word on that. But I hey, listen, <laughs> I'm not one of those guys that's going to sit here and deny the notebook. I It's a good movie. It is. I'm if sorry, I'm a sorry, bird, guys. you're a bird. Hello. Yeah. yeah sorry, guys. Like both, I love Gosling. Love Rachel McAdams. What can go wrong? The chemistry. Um. All right. What do we got? TV show? You want to TV? Oh show? wait. So you have no books? I gave you Dune. I don't know. I didn't read. I didn't. I have a bunch of books here. I don't know. I get. I don't. I don't read a lot of books. I, I read when I'm on vacation, and I was only. I only went away for like a couple of days this year, and I didn't have enough time to read a book. So the last time I read a book, I think was the end of last year. It was Dune. It could be like what to expect when you're expecting, or some like dad book. No, I'm no, no. I, I watch when I I watch YouTube videos instead of like for that stuff. Whenever I want to learn how to do something, or like for example, yesterday I spent. The thing about having a baby is that you don't really have a lot of time. To do stuff for long periods of time you have like half an hour increments so you really can't watch a movie or you have to like break it up and do a bunch of pieces so what i've been doing is i've been watching a lot of these history uh youtube videos about ancient artifacts and like, civilizations mm-hmm. that got lost and that's what i do that's where i do my learning so like if i had to like learn like all the dad stuff i watch a lot of youtube videos on that i love that for you okay yeah. what did you say what do you want to do a tv show let's do a tv show let's do it yeah okay this is not recency bias best show of the year was white lotus Oh, I like the first season better than the second. I just finished oh, the second. 
I thought the second season was so it was good. good. First season was really good too. I also want to throw Euphoria in there. Shout out to season two Euphoria. I think it was episode five. Zendaya relapsing that scene should win yeah. every award. She's so talented. Uh, we talked about this on the pod, but I just think to have so many simultaneous storylines and so effectively weave them in and keep you guessing and keep you on the edge of your seat is a really hard thing to do. And it's drama. There's angst, there's humor. They are just able to hit on so many notes and keep you so invested all the way up until the final episode. And I just thought it was so well done. It was a fantastic show. Well, but I just, I did. Should we do spoiler alert? Should we do spoiler alert right spoiler now? Spoiler alert. If you haven't okay. seen White Lotus, come back in five minutes. Go ahead, Steve. The ending kind of sucked. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I watched the, the Mike White, who was the creator of the show, like the after him explaining it. And it did make sense. He's like, oh, I didn't feel like her dying at the hands of somebody else made sense, which I think is true. Yeah. Jennifer Coolidge, but- by the way. It kind of reminds me of the, the movie Titanic. Okay, there was room for two of them on that door. Jennifer Coolidge, walk down to the end of the boat. You don't have to jump okay. off the side of the boat. It's so nonsensical. And like, Steve, it doesn't make like any sense. A billionaire's daughter I laughed who said everyone care for her her entire life she doesn't she doesn't carry her bag she's escorted down the stairs she doesn't get on a boat herself she has no real life skills or perceptions of course she would think she has to jump off the boat i don't know it's just i just i was just i i really enjoyed it i'm not even mad about it i was just like i didn't love the ending i didn't love it uh i'm okay that she died like it's fine it's not the end of the world uh i didn't guess that certainly i thought it was maybe gonna be um uh, I'm bad with names, but Aubrey Plaza's husband or boyfriend, I thought I thought he was going to be maybe the one that died. Oh, interesting. that was kind of my guess all the way up to that point. But then it became clear that wasn't going to happen in like the last couple episodes. But I don't know. I first I thought the first season was funnier and I thought it was weirder. I yeah. thought this season had better relationship things. I thought the two couples oh, so that was good. that was perfectly done. It was so well done about how like different because because Aubrey Plaza is judging the other couple. Meanwhile, she needs that excitement in her life to stabilize her own relationship. And meanwhile, their relationship is falling apart because they're cheating on each other all the time. And they're still cool with it. I love that dynamic. I love the uh, Jennifer Coolidge storyline. I loved her, Tanya going around. The gays are there. It kind of reminded me of like- (laughs) The gays are trying to kill me. Well, so early on, you're like, clearly something's wrong with the gays here. Like something's going on. Okay. There's, there's too many like music choices and looks out there. You're like, there's something nefarious going on here. But they were great. I mean, that whole storyline was great. And then what else am I missing? Oh, obviously the the hookers, Christopher Moltisanti, whatever his whatever his real name is in, in yeah, real life. The the, th- the three generations of horny men. Incredible, incredible. This show is so good because it's just so good in like human nature and relationships and things like that. So that's what I think. I thought this season did well. I thought the first season was quirkier and funnier, and I kind of liked the death a little bit better at the end than I did this one. But they're both. It's they're great shows. Great shows. Um. Two more quick things for me about White Lotus. Number one, I thought that Daphne, uh, Megan Fahey is her name in real life. She was the wife of Cam, Cameron, one of the yep. couples that was cheating. I thought she, in, in a sea of stars and in a sea she of amazing great. performances, she stole the show. The way that with just a look, you could process what she was thinking. And when she did that scene where she talked about her trainer and showed the picture of her baby, Put Unreal. it up there with that with Zendaya yep. as far as the best performances of the year. I just thought that she was such a rock star and that she is on 
um, you know, a rocket ship to the moon as far as her career is concerned. She's going to be like the next Margot Robbie where you like she's in every blockbuster because I think she's so, so, so talented. And then my other thing, Steve, I loved that in the end, the hookers won. I loved <laughs> that Mia and Lucha won. And I thought that it was a great kind of commentary on sex and relationships because there was a line between the two of them earlier in the show about it's not so bad going into sex and knowing exactly what you're going to get out of it. They were villainized for being so transactional and their approach to sex and getting paid for it. But here they are, the two people in the entire show that removed emotion from sex and they win in the end they get exactly what they want mia gets yeah, the well, job they, of her they dreams scam, they scammed what well, mia scams but they the get what they want you know and, and, yeah. and the whole other part of this is like all of these other people are in their feelings so much that they can't make correct decisions and that they're getting caught up in all of these really really tough things and i just loved that they were villainized for being hookers but in the end they're the only two that walked away and and were winners at the end yeah poor Rocco by the way who's uh fiance he just kept getting kicked out of the, the front lobby I know yeah Isabella Isabella Isabel was great although Maddie and I talked about this I was like if we were engaged like I would want to work with you every second of the day like we need to be separate we need some alone that was very strange to me but all in all great show totally understand what you're saying um and season three apparently is happening. So bring it on. We're excited. Okay. What's yours? Uh, so I, I, I wrote down rings of power only because only because it's actually not the best show of the year, but it, it, I had been waiting for the show for multiple years of my life. Okay. What is and, it? Oh, the Lord of the Rings show on, oh. on, Am- on Amazon. And it was, I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, I know some people didn't because it wasn't true to the source material and blah, 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 blah. And then everyone was mad because they spent so much money on it. Who cares how much money they spent? That's not your money. Do you just enjoy the product? Uh, so I really liked that. I wrote that down. That is my favorite show of the year, but not really for the reasons that we're talking about. The, my favorite show of the year, and this is technically counts because it happened at the end of last year. And then the, the, I think the last episode was in January of 2022. So I'm going to count it. It's Station Eleven, which is an HBO show, which I think I talked to you about. It's it's kind of like if you had a Shakespeare play and an end of the world drama and they had a baby and made a show. That's what wow. it is. It is incredibly well done. It is probably the mo- most unique show I've watched since The Leftovers, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. It has very leftover vibes. Basically, the premise of it is uh, it's and I think it was made before the pandemic even happened. Um, but it's it's about a pandemic. A flu pandemic essentially brings on the end of the world or at least the end of civilization. And these people are sort of like living in groups and tribes or whatever. And, you know, it's essentially like this nomadic group travels around. And then there's there's this bad guy who calls himself the prophet, who's this dangerous guy. But also it's a story of like dealing with trauma and the world changing and try to hold holding on to things that you love in like a new setting. So like trying to maintain humanity when humanity doesn't exist anymore it's like a really really high-end level show built around the apocalypse and i honestly think you would like it it's tough because you know when you make a show about the pandemic in the pandemic it's it's kind of probably going to be hard to be received but it was it was so freaking well done and you know it deals with relationships of you know couples there's this little girl who immediately has to be like a grown-up so fast and like how her life changes and like I said, it, it's like a Shakespeare made a, a 2022 show for HBO that also had to do with the end of the world. It's very I mean, cool. You know, I'm a big Billy Shakespeare girl. <laughs> Noted Billy Shakespeare fan. Honestly. Michelle Smallman. Uh, hello, I lived in Verona, Italy, Romeo and Juliet. That's my shit. 
Yeah, that's a listen. I think I actually think you would like the show. I do. Okay. It's because you love the relationship with White Lotus. It's like a more depressing version of that, but it, <laughs> right. it, it but it explores human relationships and how trauma impacts them and how you have to find who you are when humanity isn't the same as it used to be. It's it's, it's a really cool show. Um, also, I think it was based on a book. So, all right, what do we got? Uh, personal moment, or are we going to do sports moment? Let's do sports moment. Okay. Do you want to go first? Sports moment, I guess, would be the Magic getting the first overall pick. Shout out to or, the wait, Magic. Yeah. How often does that happen? It's happened four times in the history of the Magic. Uh, three times that I actually remember. Um, well, actually, probably two, because I don't really remember the Penny Hardaway or Shaq one. So two. So it was Dwight Howard. And then now this one, Magic drafted Paolo Bancaro. He looks like he'd be a future star in the making. So I guess for a guy whose teams aren't very good, that was probably my sports moment of the year was the Magic getting the first pick. You were so hyped. I was. I, and it also will tie into my personal moment in a second, but go ahead. You go oh, first. wait, your personal moment is not you having a child? <laughs> well, that doesn't count. Come on. Like, yeah. All right. Yeah. My big, obviously my biggest personal moment is me becoming a father, but like that's, we just talked about that for 20 minutes to start the pod. Nobody wants to hear about that. Wait, my biggest personal moment is the magic hitting the number one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's not. not my, all right. Well, not, not my daughter. All right. My should, I just, should I just say, <laughs> should I just say my personal <laughs> moment then? My personal. Go, okay. My, okay. My personal moment is becoming a dad. Period. Next sentence. Number two. <laughs> but like, because we already talked about that, my other one that to make this a little more interesting, it's probably being, it was probably being on Bill's pod twice to talk about these things yeah so i was on bill's pod i was on bill's pod to talk about the magic in the first pick i was on the draft pod which is really cool and then i was also most recently on the pod with chris ryan to talk about the world cup and you know it's one of those things where like obviously like bill is like a legend and it's cool because i like work with him now but it still is really cool to be a guest on his podcast he is the biggest sports podcast in the country uh so I don't know. That was probably a person professional moment. I was that, that's my professional highlight of the year. Um, can I just do a quick proud friend moment to shout out Saruti? Because everybody that listens to this pod obviously follows you, Steve. But it's been so fun to watch you blow up and to just get the space to prove how good you are at this. Not only are you obviously on Rosillo's podcast all the time, but to see you being on with uh, Bill, excuse me, and Kevin Clark, and to see you doing your gambling podcast and your soccer podcast, I'm just cheering from the sidelines and I love watching you grow and getting these opportunities and just slaying them with every chance you get. Well, thank you. Um, and you know, obviously I feel like you are the goat of interviewing and hosting shows and you're sort of seamless. And I've always, you are, I always try to like take things from you, what you do, especially during this pod. No, because your, your, your transitions are great. Your analogies are great. And I think that's, you know, that's something that doesn't always come as natural to me as it does, I think, to you. Like, you are just good at doing that stuff. You're a great host. And it's been weird trying to, like, kind of balance the two of those things. Cause I feel like I have all this information in my brain, but it's like, how do I get it out in like, a really good way? Yeah. And you have always been part of the person that I'm like, she does it the way I wish I could do it. So <laughs> I I don't want this to be like a, hey, we're just talking about how awesome each other are. But like, I, I genuinely, I genuinely like, you are as good of a host as anybody. And, that I know. Uh, and you also happen to be a great friend, which is really cool too. So I appreciate those words. That's awesome. And it actually makes me think of, I, I got this wrong. I mean, being on Bill's pod was cool, but I did interview Franz Wagner, thanks to Kevin Clark, a couple of weeks that. ago, who is like my my favorite player in the league, I guess right now, who's on the Orlando Magic. So that that's probably the best one. That, that should have been my answer. Uh, well, that's kind of cool, Steve, that you have all these great things that happen that you can't even pick one, which is very cool. And think about if we do this at the end of 2023, what could be the answer? That's cool because it's like an upwards trajectory and I can't wait to see. But thanks for saying that about hosting. You know what What I did that was really helpful for me during the pandemic? I, talking about you and YouTube, 
I watched videos of all the great interviewers because I was like, I'm not a former player. I'm not like a hometown legend, like Randy character. I'm not a stats guy. I'm not an information person. What am I going to be? I'm like, I really got to find your knit. You got to find your lane. Like what? I'm like, I want to be a good interviewer. So I watched Oprah. I watched, um, gosh, who else did I watch? Larry King. I watched all these different interviewers and different stuff, Howard Stern, a lot of how they do it. And, you know, sometimes you need a quick Larry King, like, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example how's being a dad. He he always comes in with like a really quick, simple, but like pointed kind of question. Yeah. A really quick pointed question where Oprah's like, tell me about your feelings. And she sits on the couch. There's just different styles that are more effective for certain people in certain situations. So I, uh, I really put a lot the, you, of work into that. You have the personality too, like where, you know, I think, I think a lot of it is, is personality driven. Like sometimes I think you, you kind of, I guess you can fake it, some people are good enough where they can just fake being a good interviewer or whatever, but you are genuinely one. You're usually very interested in whatever the topic is. You're very passionate about it. That's one thing that I always think about you. Like we disagree on so many things. I won't even talk about the disagreement we had in our text chain recently. That was kind of driving me insane. Oh, we, we went <laughs> not going to not gonna talk about it, but I was like, I'll Michelle, just put, I'll just but, put it this way. Steve texted me FFS like three times. <laughs> I won't even get into what it was, but you, okay. Another good example. We disagreed on the Rams in St. Louis thing and moving to LA, but I always just admired like how you are just a staunch defender. I always say this about some family members. You go like, they would take a bullet for me. Like you would take a bullet for some people and you would take a bullet for St. Louis. And I always admire like how much skin you had in the game and how much, how passionate you were. I think when it comes to interviews as well, like, yes, you watch a lot, a lot of stuff and you know, like there are techniques you could pick up here and there, but typically it's just because you're really interested and a genuinely good person and want to find out more about what's going on. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I would say that doesn't come easy to people. Like it's, it's hard for me as I now host shows. I'm like, damn, this is really freaking hard. And, yeah. you know, to, to not only say what you want to say, but be interesting too. Cause everybody just thinks they're interesting when they're talking. They're not. So, um, I don't know, I guess I don't even know where I'm going with that, but like, shout <laughs> out to you. I do think, uh, well, tell Bill, tell your friends, tell all your, your high power friends. Spread the word, spread the word. <laughs> spread the word. Okay. So that you gave your sports moment and your personal moment. So I need to give both of mine. Correct? Both, yeah, is that what ahead. we're leaving? Yep. Okay. To wrap this up, my favorite sports moment is easy. It is Albert Pujols returning to the Cardinals and the chase for, and ultimately reaching 700 while simultaneously Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina reaching the all-time battery record. When I just look back on the season, Steve, I feel so lucky that I got to cover it. I feel so lucky that I got to witness history with three iconic players. And I had a front row seat to it, not only with my job, but talking to Adam Wainwright weekly. I feel like I learned so much talking to him every week and really just got an inside look into greatness and how people not only approach greatness, but maintain greatness. These are three players in their forties that are, are still, well, not two of them retired, but at that time still playing and able to achieve greatness. And that's really rare to get to see. And, um, you know, when Albert Pujols left the drama and the anger mm. and the angst and all of, of that, that happened with St. Louis, I never thought I would see the day that not only he returned, but that he hit 700. It was like a, a true fairy tale. And by the way, had he not left, the Cardinals would not have the money to have retained Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. Yeah. So there you go. he ended up like doing a, a favor in the long run. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, so it was just a really cool thing. Also, I love that St. Louis won $790 million from Stan Kroc in the NFL, but well, that's a, yeah, we knew that was going to come we'll up, but I will say what's weird too is. So, you know, obviously Albert Pujols, when, when did he start playing like 2002? 
think it 2001. was i think it was he's been around forever so like you so like you he was around like when you were you know in your in like high school <laughs> yeah like you, you, i mean you knew him as like grade a school girl. yeah and he's like 2001 so yeah you've grown up with him you've seen his entire career like your entire fandom not only of the cardinals but just baseball in general has been his career I so know. for him to like start off there you'd be a huge fan leaves and then comes back full circle with you now in the industry and have, playing a part in that that's fucking awesome that's really Isn't fucking that crazy awesome. I, know. I know i know um but it's something i'll never ever ever forget so um i think my personal moment i know you expect me to say moving to new york city finally but that's not it i was reflecting on this year and when i think back on 2022 it will always be the year that i got to go on safari and yeah. i feel so grateful again, to have had that experience because especially being here now and being so condensed in this metropolitan and modern world to get the once in a lifetime opportunity to be in nature with wildlife and be inches from them and among them and watch them eat and hunt for prey and hook up with each other. I mean, it was just so crazy. And I was just looking back on photos and I'm like, God, I cannot believe I got to do that. And uh, so shout out to my friends, Matt and Michael, that got married and invited me along for the ride. But it uh, it will always be one of the most special experiences ever. So that's my favorite personal moment of 2022. It's always good to, and I'm, I'm sure this is the case, like you talked about, it, it gives you like perspective on just anything of, yes. wait, so not only are you in a different country, but you're like observing like these incredibly wild animals just live in the wild and do their thing. And you're just like, wow, like, yeah, that Twitter argument didn't fucking matter whatsoever. <laughs> like, you know, because like, I always think about that. Like, I remember totally. I, I saw I saw Neil deGrasse Tyson show like years ago. He came to Hartford. He was doing like some speeches. So Maddie and I went and I went with a friend, and he was just talking about how you, know, you when you put into the scale of the universe how absolutely meaningless planet Earth is in the grand scheme of things. So you're just dumb. like, oh, like none of this actual stuff matters. But you don't really ever get that perspective unless you go to a talk or you go see stuff that's totally out of your element. So like you going to Africa and seeing this stuff happen, it weirdly resets you. And you're just mm -hmm. like, Oh, all this other shit that I worry about on a day to day basis is so stupid. and doesn't matter whatsoever. Um, even though you feel like it's such a big deal in the grand scheme of things. So like, I, you know, I'm not saying you have to go on a safari every couple of years to like get <laughs> perspective, but things like that do really kind of ground you and make yes. you realize, all right, this is actually kind of what matters. And you know, this is earth is more than just America and Twitter and Instagram and all this bullshit that actually doesn't really matter. I don't even know how much longer we'll have Twitter. <laughs> yeah, who knows? No, we're good. We're fine. It just depends on, it depends on what it'll look like. I don't know what it'll, it'll be here, but what, it, what it'll look like in six months. We don't know. Also, before we go, Steve, one of my favorite things that's developed is everyone having to do these big proclamations saying goodbye to Twitter. Like if I you hate, really hate something, hate just I leave, just leave. It's like a, it's like the relationship that they can't Michelle. quit. Like if you are so addicted to this platform that you have to write this soliloquy about saying goodbye to it, who are you kidding? You're not going anywhere. Can I, can I, this is my favorite moment of 2022. Can I just, I'm changing my moment right now. You, no, nothing has ever been hit on the head, hit it's. I can't even speak right now. Nothing has ever been hit on the head more than what you just said. Because these people that it's like when people like leave Facebook, be like, oh, this place sucks. I'm leaving. You could have yeah. just deleted your Facebook. Dude, nobody cool way to make this performative look at me moment. And I think that's what everything is now. Everything's like a look at me. Yeah. Oh, I hate this. Blah, blah, blah. Look at how good I am. Or look at how good of a person I am. Everything is so stupid. And you're hundred percent right. It was like, Hey, goodbye. Like this place sucks. I'm leaving. Like so many famous people do that too. And you're like, you are so, I talked about getting, being grounded and, and being out of touch and grounding yourself by going out of safari is one thing you can do. 
that is how you become so out of touch is by saying, Hey, I'm leaving Twitter. Like I, I can't take it here anymore. Like Twitter actually fucking matters. It doesn't matter, dude. You don't matter on Twitter. Twitter doesn't fucking matter. Just if you want to leave, leave, but don't announce it to the rest of us. I, Michelle, you have never said anything more correct than what you just said right there. And the self-involvement to think that you're oh, making this proclamation about leaving that like everyone is going to have a Jerry Maguire moment and follow you over to TikTok yeah. or that you leaving Twitter is going to cause it to cease to exist. It's just it is like our society and one tiny I microcosm can't. with how dumb and self-involved we've been. I'm just like, just leave. No one I cares. Can't. I can't. I, yeah. Yeah. Michelle, I, I'm, I've never been more proud of you. I've never been. I, everything I said about like your interviewing skills, put that to the side. This is the best <laughs> thing that you've ever done. And I'm so happy. And I'm so proud of you. Thank you again. Tell your friends too. Yeah, we'll do. We'll do. All right, Michelle, this is, uh, before we go, this is an idea that I had because everyone loves nostalgia. Obviously it's the Christmas holiday season. And I was like, why don't we, why don't we just list the three best gifts we ever got as kids? Let's get a little, little nineties nostalgia, most likely for everybody. Cause I had two off the top of my head that I wanted to talk about and I can add okay. a third in. So our three best gifts that we've ever gotten as kids from quote unquote, Santa, you okay. want to start? Uh, why are we saying quote unquote, Santa? Like, let's not throw the jolly man under the tree oh, here. Okay. You know, you know what I'm saying? That's a great call. Well, cause like, just, just in case you got to get from your mom or something too. Yeah. That wasn't from Santa, you know, whatever, right. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to Santa because he brought me two of the three of these gifts. Okay. He's still bringing me gifts. He knows what I like. So, yeah. And you know, you know, uh, who forgot me this year for the first time in over 30 years? St. Nick. Okay. Uh, St. Nick, Nick forgot about your girl. And I was like, yeah. uh, early December, where are you at, St. Nick? But I think yeah, it might have had good. to do with a change of address. St. Nick, St. Nick knew where I was. We'll blame it on that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, coming in at number three for me, Steve, was the Barbie car. Okay. I was not really like a huge Barbie girl, but I did have a couple. And I remember being five years old at my old house and there was one big box under the tree. And I remember ripping it open and I opened it and I turned over the box and it was the pink Barbie car. And I remember being like, I'm about to be the flyest girl on the block. My Barbie is about to be cruising these streets. Okay. And I played with that thing till the wheels fell off. I yeah. loved that thing. And um, I'll just never forget how I felt. I think I was like five years old. It's one of my earliest memories of Christmas is getting under the tree. I also remember I got the Little Mermaid VHS that year, which was big deal. Big, big for deal. your girl. <laughs> yeah. It was Santa did your girl. If you don't girl know, no, yeah. Well, that year. I mean, well, I guess I shouldn't say Santa did your girl well. <laughs> like hey, Santa hooked hey, your girl. Hey, oh, oh, wait, hey, hey. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's got to be a better way to say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just asked somebody this the other day. I was like, is Santa like the original Zaddy? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of is, right? Like, well, a, I mean, in those World Cup commercials, when Santa looks like John Hamm, then yeah, he's uh, that's Jesus. right, that's right. Okay, no so that's, that's right. The Jesus is I, the reason for the season, but not for for the gifts. But no, number three for me, Barbie dream car. I'm gonna follow you on that. Then I had it out of roughly out of order, but you know what? I'm gonna just I had the red Jeep Wrangler, Ooh. and I think I was probably yeah, like five, six, seven. I don't even know how old I was. The amount of donuts I used to do in my driveway when I was a kid <laughs> with that thing, I would just run over stuff. I would, they didn't go super fast, but I used to like take it off of jumps and stuff. But yeah, and I honestly, I've, I've never owned anything but Jeeps in my life. I had my first car was a Jeep 90, 96 Jeep Grand Cherokee. I think it was an absolute tank. Then I had a red Jeep Patriot. Now I have a Jeep uh, Cherokee Green. I honestly think I only have Jeeps because of my parents, I should say Santa or my parents buying me this mm -hmm. Jeep car when I was a kid, because I, that's where my love of Jeeps began. So the red Wrangler, no top, just cruising five-year-old Steve, he was killing it. Just like really Im implanted in your head. Like I'm going to so. be a Jeep guy forever. It was a vibe that's that I never wanted to forget. Yeah. I love that both of our first ones were cars. I, I, I guess if you were like a nineties kid 
and you know, our parents are probably similar. Like that was the go-to gift for like, cool. You know, that was a go-to gift that you got. So I know. And you know, what's funny about that is that I was Barbie this year for Halloween. And I was like, should I get a fake car, like a fake Barbie car? Because it's, it's in my brain. Who was Barbie without the car, without the pink convertible? That's, a that's good point. her, that's her whip. It's like the yeah. iconic whip. Um, okay. Number two for me is a little off the beaten path just because I wasn't really a kid, but I was in high school and I, if we're talking about hyped, I never remember being this hyped other than number one. It's when Steve, a young Michelle got her first cell phone. It was a sprint <laughs> sil- silver, uh, phone. It was a flip phone. And I was only allowed to take it out so that my parents could contact me, but it was like this big, it was like a brick and you had to pull the antenna out. But I remember being like, (laughs) no one is cooler than me that I find because all my friends had like the Nokia, you know, with the snake. Oh yeah. I did not have one. And I remember getting it and being like, guess who's joining the club. Once you got the phone, you were part of that club. It was like, I forget what mine was. It was like this oh really God. small white, but it was like orange. Tint. It had like orange features oh, on it and it was a terrible phone. Um, but yeah, it was the same deal. It was like, only call me, no texting, like blah, blah, no blah. Texting. You know, I think at that point, texting like cost five cents a text or something. Who knows? Crazy. Um, but that was a big deal when you, when you, when you joined the cell phone club. So I totally understand that. Uh, my, I'll go with my second one then. So we'll go in reverse order. I got a BMX bike around the year 2000. And this was at a point in my life where I was never in that extreme sport, like skater kind of crowd, but I like had friends and I like dip my toe in it a little bit. And I got this BMX bike and I thought I was going to be like the school guy doing stunts in my backyard. And for like a couple months, I was like really into it, drive that thing all all, all around. And then I kind of got bored of it and like started playing other sports and just immediately neglected it. But that when I saw that thing, when I walked downstairs and Santa had dropped that thing off in front of the tree, that was, I'll get to number one in a second, but I was the second most excited I've ever been. I got a BMX bike. Did you injure yourself? I went flipped over the handlebars once, never like seriously or anything like that. But it was like, you know, I used to wear, remember like the Fox clothes oh, and like yeah. the DC oh, yeah. shoes. Yeah. I, like I said, I dipped my toe in. I had some gear, but I wasn't wow. like the full skater kid. And I quickly course correct and did not kind of avoided that group. But I did have some friends that were, so I remember like one time they brought me to like the skate park and I would try to do the half pipe and I was terrible at it. Um, but I was like, oh, they're getting BMX bikes. I want a BMX bike too. So I got one and then I like actually didn't really like it. But at the time I was so freaking pumped to have that thing. It was, a, did it have the prongs on the wheels where you could stand the, on the back. Oh yeah. Like the, oh, I don't even know. Yeah, exactly. Like, cause you what used to be able to grind on stuff. Like if you, if you were actually really good, I mean, I wasn't good, so I didn't do that, but you could like hop up on and like grind on a rail and then come back off. It wasn't something that was long lived, but it, it burned hot really fast. I just love the idea of a young Saruti lin- listening to like Simple Plan and getting ready to buy his, drive yeah. his BMX bike around. Listening to Blink-182. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mom, stop That's changing accurate, the red jumpsuit though. apparatus. <laughs> That's like, you were joking. That is literally what I would listen to Blink-182 and ride my bike around. True story. You know, this is a, a total offshoot of this, but sometimes when I'm bored, I'll watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians just to like, be culturally relevant. I cannot stand Travis Barker and Kourtney Kardashian now. Oh, and that's yeah, such a bummer to me. They like touch tongues. It's just too much for me. Um, but that's a bummer to me because I too loved Blink-182. Oh, who didn't? They were the shit. Absolutely. Um, their new song, not very good, but mm-hmm. old catalog is great. So yeah, all right, get to, let's, let's do number one. Okay. Number one for me, there will never, I mean, nothing will ever top this. And it's kind of sad to know that I've already peaked and my gift receiving in life. Um, 
but nothing could ever top this for me. Sixth grade, young Michelle, two days before Christmas. I get really, really sick, like the flu or something. I'm on the couch. And mind you, I wanted a sibling forever. I used to hide pictures of babies around the house. And like, you know, like- <laughs> That's so it, you. That's incredible. Like tuck pictures of babies, like in my mom's books or like tape it to the milk curtain and just be like, maybe a brother or a sister. Like, I kind of want someone to play with other than my cousin sometimes. And your parents are like, Hard pass on that. They're like, my dad would always say, <laughs> we can't have a baby because you're perfect. No one will ever well, yeah, stack that's up That's a great excuse. That's a, that's a, honestly, shout out to Mr. Smallman. That's a great yeah. call. Just saying, yeah. I would be like, what? Okay. Uh, so you anyway, know what? You're I'm, right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I actually am the best. So it's not fair to whoever would come along next. Uh, so young Michelle on the couch, laying there with my favorite blanket up to my eyeballs, watching Nickelodeon, just thinking like, is this the end for me? And I took, I fell asleep. I took a nap and I wake up Steve and I look down and there's a white ball of fluff on my chest that eventually became Buddy Smallman, my dog, a Westie. My parents oh got me my a dog. God. I did not, I didn't even put two and two together. That's, that's I was like, you know, when you wake up from a nap and you're like disoriented and I was like, what is this? And it was a dog. I had wanted a dog forever. And they, I think they were like, we're never going to give her a sibling. So let's give her a dog. And throw her a bone metaphorically and, and literally. And literally. <laughs> and I just remember he was like this big and just a little white fluff ball. He was a Westie and uh, we were going to name him Romeo. And then he, we just kept calling him buddy and he kept responding to buddy. So he became buddy Smallman and yeah, he, he was my ride or die best friend for the next, next decade plus best gift I've ever gotten. RIP buddy Smallman. Love you forever. Nothing tops that. That is the, that there's literally not. So funny story though. So my parents, I was the same. I wanted a dog my entire life. I, mm -hmm. we had a, I'm trying to think we, we had a golden, but when I was like really young and then we ended up getting Dustin, who was our schnoodle dog who was really like my mom's pet who was attached to my mom physically and emotionally um but like in the, there was like a gap in between they were like i really wanted a dog when i was growing up my parents were just they just didn't i don't know, they didn't want to deal with it whatever yeah. so one year it was the three of us me my sister my two sisters rachel and jocelyn they gathered us around they're like hey we have a surprise for you it wasn't even around christmas i think it was like in the middle of the summer or something and they're like we want you, you want to guess what what it is and i was like a dog we got a dog oh my god yes and they're like no we're going to Disney World. And I was like, oh. oh, really? Damn it. And I was like bummed that we were going to Disney because I didn't get a dog. <laughs> totally. Like, talk about being a huge tool. But I was like, oh, crap. We're going to Disney. Lame. I wanted a dog. God, mom and dad, like you're the worst parents ever. Um, <laughs> so that's how much that's that's why I know that getting a dog for Christmas has been freaking awesome because that is just the best feeling in the world. It was the best ever. I was so hyped. Um. All right. Well, my number one is not going to touch that, but it is definitely by far my number one. And there's video evidence somewhere of this. I don't know if my, my parents probably have it on VHS tape somewhere. Uh, the year was like 96 ish, somewhere around there when my parents got me the Sega Genesis video oh. game for I, it was when I say a big deal, it was the biggest deal. So I'm opening up the pre there's a good video of me literally like ripping open the present whenever I'm probably eight or so. And I just scream. He got me Sega at the top of my lungs like screamed it and they're like again i have to find this video because it is unbelievable i have never been happier with a gift in my life and like listen i played video games since for my yeah. entire life since then it was and the genesis I, of it all oh uh, it was but great great call 100 so there were like nintendo people <laughs> sega, sega genesis get it there you go there were nintendo people and sega people so i had sega um and I grew up just playing, playing Sega Genesis. So it was the college slam game where I used to play with Arkansas for some reason, like the mid nineties. So shouts out to Arkansas. And then the, but the big game was the, uh, and I actually recently saw a video of it was the Lion King game 
which is Wait, still to this it's the lot yeah you used to like jump with simba on these things and timon and pumbaa would follow you like it was this great game and to this day no lie michelle that is the hardest video game i've ever played it's unbeatable really? I, never be- I never beat it yep never beat it uh so sega genesis me 1996 steve was i don't think i've ever been more excited than, than i was that day i hope we get to see video evidence of you screaming it's, it he, exists he got me sega it exists somewhere. My parents still joke about it this day. Like it's, just, it's a family saying of like, he got me Sega because I just screamed at the top of my lungs. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure that has to be that now that I'm like a parent, I don't want to be like, oh, now I know thing. But like, that must be a pretty freaking awesome feeling. To, like, even you know, it's funny. Baby. I was just going to say that. How cool that in short order, you're going to be able to to give Marlo something that, you know, she wants so badly. I'm looking to forward to that. Not that I don't love this stage of life. It's really cool. But like, I'm really looking forward to that. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Well, Steve, it was so great to catch up with you. And uh, I look forward to doing this again in 2023. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Small Talk. Uh, rate and review if, if you want to. Um, we haven't really done a call to action in a while. But anyway, until next year, Steve, I'll talk to you then. I got to bounce. Baby's probably ripping ass right now. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.